Do you know that you know you feel better when you're eating healthy meals, but still struggle with time, energy, and ideas when it comes to cooking? Or maybe you're bored with your options or dealing with challenges like cooking for one or cooking for a family with different needs. Sometimes it just seems easier to say, screw it and order takeout, right? Well, today's guest specializes in making quick and healthy meals that don't require a laundry list of ingredients to make. Elise Compston is a nationally recognized registered dietitian, recipe developer, and content creator. Elise has developed recipes for a New York Times bestselling author, nationwide food delivery service, and leading Los Angeles-based hospital. Elise is the founder of Compston Kitchen which she runs with fellow food-loving dietitian and husband, Stephen. Together, they create simple, affordable, plant-focused recipes with creative spins on classic dishes and tasty new favorites. Elise is one of my favorite social media RDs, and her recipes are always winners. So I brought her on the podcast to chat about planning meals, shopping, cooking, and more. And this episode is full of actionable tips you can start incorporating now. And of course, if you have PCOS, you'll want to check out my mini course on meal prepping for PCOS called PCOS Meal Prep Made Easy at thehormonedietitian.com forward slash easy PCOS. Let's get started with the episode. Welcome to Hormonally Yours with the Hormone Dietitian. If you're a busy woman struggling with hormonal issues like PCOS, fertility struggles, and other hormone imbalances, and you feel like you're the boss of your life in every area but your hormones, then you're in the right place. I'm your host, Melissa Groves Azero, integrative women's health dietitian, coffee lover, cat lady, all black wearing, former New York City advertising exec turned professional period fairy. It's my mission to be the no BS hormone nutrition education resource for smart women struggling with hormone imbalances so you can have regular symptom-free periods and optimize your fertility naturally. I'm here to share real, actionable, science-based tips you can use to get real results without cutting out foods, spending hours in the gym or meal prepping, and without losing sleep because we're all about balance here at The Hormone Dietitian, and I am so glad you're here. Let's get started. Welcome, Elise. I am so excited you are here to chat with us. And I'm super excited to meet you in person for the first time, which is really unbelievable. I know. I know we were talking about the fact that we were probably some of our first fellow RD followers on Instagram. And so this is like a a high moment in my life. I'm so excited to be chatting with you in person today. Yes, we definitely have to coordinate like actually meeting up at a conference or something sometime in the future. Yes, in-person events together would be great. (laughs) 
Yes. So tell the audience a little about who you are and what you do. Yeah. So I am a registered dietitian and my focus has always been recipe development. I've always gravitated towards showing folks how you can eat well, very simply with minimal ingredients and big flavor and without having to have a lot of kitchen experience, you know, using just what you've got. That's really been what excites me about nutrition because that's what nutrition really is about is the foods that we're eating. And so if we can make it fun, if we can simplify it, that's always been my goal. In addition to recipe development, I also love educating. And so I do corporate wellness kind of on the side, one of my other hats. And my husband is also a dietitian. And so we get to talk food all day and we have two little ones at home. And so we're hoping to share that, that love of food with them as well. Yes. So did you meet your husband in your internship or your schooling? Yes. So I met him when I was a very baby dietetic intern. Um, I had just moved to town and he was, you know, the full-fledged dietitian and was really just a good support throughout the course of the internship. Because as you know, it's kind of pedal to the metal, your head's down. You're just trying to survive the internship process. And he was just a great support throughout all of that. And once internship wrapped, it was like, oh yeah, I really do like just spending time with you and you're a really cool person. Maybe we should make more of this. Oh, that's so awesome. And for people who don't know, men in the dietetics field are like unicorns which is how I ended up meeting my husband online because I was, you know, going back to school and I was literally only meeting other women going through the program. Absolutely. In our, uh, I think my graduating class, I actually don't believe we had any men in our graduating class that we had an internship. It was all females. You know, they really are those unicorns. They're so scarce. And so when you meet a male dietitian, it's like, oh, hey, high five. (laughs) Glad to meet you. Yeah. So in your program, did you have exposure to culinary or, you know, above and beyond the kind of food science courses that we did or you know, what was what first got you into cooking? So I, you know, I grew up with probably the same interest as everyone, you know, liked eating and that was pretty much it. And when I started college, I was actually studying vocal performance and theater because I had these big Broadway dreams. I was like, I'm going to make this happen. But the common conversations that I was having with my roommate and our neighbors was always about food. It always came back to it. And they'd say, you're eating differently than we are. And that's not a bad thing, but you know, why, why do you do that? And how does that come about? And so as I was going along with undergrad, I was like, you know, maybe, maybe there was a lean towards something else. And so I transferred schools and started that process and ended up getting a job with a food delivery service company. And I came on to do dietary analysis or nutrition analysis of the meals. And so all the calories and protein and whatnot. But then I started working really closely with the head chefs of the company and creating new meal plans. And that really sparked this interest of like, okay, it was Los Angeles based. And so every meal that went out had about 10 different 
alternatives. <laughs> so if you didn't like the protein, if you didn't like the grain or the vegetable, you could swap out the sides or the sauces. And so that really got me thinking that, you know, it's kind of like puzzle, you know, you're putting a puzzle together to say, okay, if somebody doesn't like eating this way, can they do an easy modification to make it what they want? And so as I continued to go through school, I kept up with that. Unfortunately, my internship was really just clinical based. So the most kitchen work I did was just chopping lettuce, you know, and helping deliver trays. But I always hope to get back to the recipe development side of our, our field. Yeah, we were, I was really, really lucky. I went to the University of New Hampshire where the focus for the internship is on sustainability and local food. And so we had culinary camp to kick off the internship. So that we, amazing. yeah, it was really, really cool. You know, plus we had, I don't remember what it was called. It's like basically culinary skills 101 as like part of our undergrad as well. But yeah, I forgot we, we always, Elise and I geek out over Broadway stuff and all of that because I was a dance major the first time around. But it's, you know, when your body is your instrument, you sort of learn early on that the way that you nourish yourself results in how you feel and how well you're able to perform. And, you know, I think a lot of people who are in sports come to sort of those same conclusions as well, but performance is the same thing. Did you have a pre-performance standard meal? You know, that's so funny that you brought that up. I always, especially when it came to singing, I found that when I had a more carb loaded meal and a, like a larger meal, I don't know if it engaged that diaphragm in a certain way, but I always had just more power for, for performance. So it was always big pasta or, you know, something with like rice or potatoes as the base and obviously the carbs for that, that energy fuel. But yeah, something like that was, was my go-to for sure. How about you? Yeah. Well, you know, I was in New York, so obviously my pre-performance meal was a bagel with peanut butter and banana. And I would try to, you know, we were in leotards and whatever on stage. So I would try to eat it about two hours before a performance. So it would have had time to get into my system. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, the bagels. I I should have been doing some bagels. (laughs) Yeah. New York bagels. I mean, every time we go back to New York now, I bring home a dozen and freeze them because it's... Oh, you have to. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yes, you mentioned you have two, two little kids and it looks, you know, from everything we see on social media, at least it looks like the kids are pretty adventurous eaters. Are they generally willing to try new things or open-minded? Yeah. Isn't social media great? It always makes everyone <laughs> perfect little, little angel children. No, they really are. They're, they're great adventurous eaters. And just like any child, any person, their preferences may change day to day, but at least I personally grew up in a household where there was a lot of talk about diets and high fat and sugary and, you know, watching what we eat. And before we even had kids, Stephen and I decided that that was not the environment that we wanted for our kids when it came to eating. And so we try and provide a really 
low stress, no pressure atmosphere. And we're all about exposure. So, you know, on the one hand, my daughter could sit with a can of beans and quite literally just go to town on them. And (laughs) whereas my son at this point does not even want to, you know, eat a single bean, but he recognizes them. He knows what colors they come in. He knows you can smash them really well, you know, and he, he is getting that exposure. And I think over time, the more exposure that they have, the the more willingness there may be to try something new. So we just try and make it fun adventurous and, you know, be honest too. I, I can't remember what we were eating the other day. And I said, Oh, you know what? This is a new food for me and it's not my favorite, but that's okay because you know what? Your dad likes it and we all have different preferences. Yeah. So I know you recently went relatively recently went through some health issues yourself and it resulted in you having to change your diet. So now you're dealing with some different dietary needs in your family on top of the trying to expose kids to new foods and get every, you know, trying to settle on something that everybody likes. So how has that shifted, you know, what you're doing in the kitchen? Yeah. You know, it's, it was an interesting time. So when I was diagnosed with this autoimmune, I did, I had to make a lot of dietary changes really overnight. And Stephen and I talked a lot about it and we made the decision that we didn't really want to impact how the kids were eating because they are so young, their bodies are growing and they need a lot of essential nutrients that they weren't going to be able to get as easily from removing these major food groups. And so what we've done is where we used to be all about like big batch cooking and big casserole style meals is we kind of component prep meals. So we'll all share the same protein. We'll all share the same veggie, but maybe the side will be a little bit different or, you know, maybe we make a meal that everybody can eat, you know, because that's just how it breaks down. So what we didn't want to do is be short order cook for everybody, myself included, because that's where we see money costs go up even higher than where they are right now. More time, more energy, more frustrations. So, you know, we just have to pivot. (laughs) We had to pivot a little bit. But I think we have a really good system worked out now where, again, the majority of the meal is the same for everybody. And we can just have a little swap out for a side. Yeah, we are kind of, I mean, there's only two of us, which is a little bit easier to handle, but I'm allergic to casein, which I always have been. So I know I was giving you some, some dairy-free products I like early, <laughs> early on because I've had <laughs> decades to figure out which ones are the good ones. Because, you know, there's nothing, nothing as disappointing as spending like $9 on a block of dairy-free feta and then discovering that it's really inedible. (laughs) Like it's just gross. And my husband, he does better off gluten. And what's my other one? Oh, corn. I can't have corn. So like, yeah. So, you know, there are some things it's like for pasta, you know, I feel... I like the bean-based pastas and they're gluten-free. So like that's an easy swap that meets both of our needs. You know, I'll add cheese to his things at the end of cooking, just not add cheese to mine. If we do things like tacos, I'll just get my special expensive taco shells and, you know, (laughs) give him the corn ones. But yeah, it does take a little bit of juggling and a little bit of forethought around, okay, how am I going to make this work for both of our needs? 
Yeah. And I think you hit it right on. I mean, that you can still create that same meal and maybe cheese only goes on one dish or the other day we made a casserole and the cheese literally just went on half of the casserole and not the other. I think the other benefit, at least in current day, is that so many brands have, I mean, there are so many more options than there used to be. So if you can't do soy sauce, you can do tamara. If you can't do this, you can do that. You know, you have some alternatives to still get that same end product or a similar one at least. And you're still going to get that satisfaction without feeling left out. Yeah, I am here as living proof of the fact that especially the non-dairy options have gone, just really exploded. I mean, even 20 years ago, so God, that's too, that's not, not, doesn't sound like 20 years ago. 30 years back in the 90s. No, but I I think even in the early 2000s, you know, there were like health food stores where I would have to go to to buy dairy-free milk. And it was in the, you know, aseptic containers on the shelf. You know, really the only option was that soy. And I mean, it's still a, a, that brand is still out there, but it was the only brand and it was gritty and really remember it well. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I think now where I can get, you know, back in the day used to be like chocolate or vanilla ice cream, non-dairy, and that was it. And now we have companies making Rocky Road and just, you know, all of the amazing flavors that we have. Salted caramel for life. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm, well, I'm a huge Nada Moo fan. Have you had Nada Moo? I, okay. I saw them at the store the other day. They were doing a buy one, get one sale. And I thought I probably should try it. I Maybe I'll head back because you mentioned it. Yeah, they're really good. They have a birthday cake one and a Rocky Road one. And yeah, they're really good. Okay. And it's like a woman-owned company, so. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they came to a fancy one year. So I was, I was pretty sad. Okay, I'm on it. I'm going to go get my buy one get one. <laughs> yeah, so I want to talk about one of the reasons why you were a special request. My audience was asking for ideas about simple swaps and just ways to make healthy food quick, uh, which is really your specialty. That's your, your whole jam. So I wanted to get into some of the specifics around meal prep and cooking and ideas and you know, just sort of how to make it happen when you're busy because we're all busy, right? We are all busy. I always joke, you know, we're not Beyonce. We don't have this horde of, you know, people attending to us and helping us out. And it's not to invalidate anybody's lives. You know, we, we all have different challenges and different things that suck up our time including social media too. But I think it comes down to really being realistic with ourselves and coming to the conclusion that when we don't at least have some sort of game plan, and that's going to look different for each of us, we're going to spend more time. We're definitely going to spend more money. I mean, if you think about coming home from work every day, and if you don't have a dinner idea, or if you don't have foods in the pantry or freezer that can make a meal, you're going to be paying money for takeout. You're going to have to run to the grocery store. You know, we just, it starts to snowball for us. So we can start small and make little steps. So maybe it's, it's batch prepping one meal, or maybe it's saying, you know, Hey, I just need, you know, snacks. I, you know, I run out the door in the morning 
with just a cup of coffee, or I always skip afternoon snack and I come home and eat half a bag of chips and salsa because I didn't know what I was going to be making for dinner. If we can identify that challenged area of the day, whether it's a meal or a snack, then we can game plan and say, okay, I'm going to put something into place so that I'm not skipping a meal or I'm not getting angry because I'm spending more money on takeout. Yeah. I find probably the most vulnerable time for most of my clients, I would say, is that late afternoon, early evening when you're getting home from work, maybe no one's home even, and you are in the kitchen eating, you know, shoving a block of cheese in your mouth by the refrigerator, and then you're grabbing a handful of pretzels. And then, you know, even if you did have a plan for a healthy dinner, you were too hungry to take the time to make it. And you know, I think I think it's important to talk about too that not everybody loves spending time in the kitchen. I definitely, you know, I'm Italian. My my love language is food, or as in specifically making food for other people is my love language. And I love, like, I love nothing more than putting together like a themed dinner party and making everything from scratch, cooking all day, and you know. But that's like a once twice a year, maybe kind of thing on a Tuesday night at 7 p.m. (laughs) where it's like zest, a lemon. Like, no, I'm not. We're not doing that. (laughs) We are not zesting a lemon on weeknight. (laughs) I I think too, even, you know, my, my Italian Nana would be rolling in her grave, but like, I'm not peeling and dicing garlic like on a weeknight. Yes. You know, yeah. there are shortcuts that we can take that can help us. So let's kind of approach it chronologically. So, you know, eating starts with planning. I think definitely my husband has has gotten better since the start of the pandemic about not asking me what's for dinner because that's the fastest way to, you know. <laughs> get the dagger eyes thrown in your direction is like what's for you I'm glad it's not the only household like that yep like why why am I in charge like you know what do you want oh I don't know whatever you know like that's not helpful like let's whittle it down so you know coming up to with what to eat like Do you generally, are you thinking about like a week at a time or a few days at a time? Are you planning for like all three meals plus snacks? I feel like people are decent about having a general game plan for dinner, but maybe might forget like snacks and breakfast sometimes. Yeah. You know, I think, I think before we even plan out, you know, we're going to have lasagna or whatnot. We do need to get realistic and say, which meal am I skipping? Or, you know, again, are we running out the door with that cup of coffee? Or, you know, we forget the mid-morning snack. So identifying those areas and start really small, you know, meet yourself right where you are and say, okay, if breakfast is getting skipped, my plan is not going to be 21 breakfast, lunch, and dinners for the week and, you know, 10 to 20 snacks. I'm just going to focus on breakfast. And if I know that I'm not a morning person, it's almost insulting to say, okay, I'm going to set my alarm an hour early tomorrow and I'm going to get up and home cook a breakfast and sit down at the table. No, we're not going to go that way. So maybe we need to pick up some egg bites or hard boiled eggs or yogurt cups. Maybe we do 
prep for 15 minutes and make some overnight oats or a frittata so that we can quite literally just grab a portion container and take it out the door with us when we leave. So I think first things first is getting realistic, finding that sort of challenge area of the day. I do recommend looking at the week ahead because that's how most of us function. You know, we work on a weekly basis. We kind of go through whether you started on Sunday or on Monday, go through the end of the week. And from there, you can kind of decide how you want to plan or prep your meals, if at all. You know, some people want to do that from scratch cooking every day and they have the time and money and energy. And some people may say, I only have time to prep maybe like a meal and a couple snacks to get me through the week. And then I'm going to scrounge on the other, the other nights of the week. There's nothing wrong with that. But yeah, a week at a time to kind of think through what that's going to look like, getting realistic and figuring out where you're missing meals, and then really creating a list of your go-to meals. So what are the meals that you or everyone in your family is always down to have? Maybe you love tacos, maybe you know stir fries do well, and keep a running list of those go-to meals that you know are always going to do it. You know the food expenditures, you know the ingredients, you probably already have most of them on hand. And so then you can keep those on kind of a steady rotation and say, hey, tacos are Tuesday. We'll just keep that every Tuesday. We're going to do that. But that doesn't mean that you have to prepare it the same way every time. You know, I think we tend to get into routines where we just prepare meals and we can get bored. And so you can still have Taco Tuesday, but maybe instead of doing it with your traditional seasoning, you throw a different sauce on top or you use a different protein or different veggies to create that excitement. So, you know, you can kind of create a, some, some people will call it a meal calendar. I don't think everybody's that jazzed about it, you know, make it work for you, but have that running tally of, you know, the, the go-to meals and uh, you can refer to that whenever you do get in a rut. Yeah. Some really good points there. I like that you were talking about being realistic. I think, you know, it's similar to what happens every January where someone decides they're going to go from, you know, barely cooking it all to suddenly from scratch cooking seven nights a week. And, you know, you really need to start where you're at. Like if you're, if you're not cooking at all, aim to cook two nights a week. You know, I personally rebel against any sort of rules. You know, even if I set them for myself, I'm, I'm a personality type rebel. So even if I set a meal plan for myself by like Tuesday, I'm like, I'm done with this. Like this you know, I'm not going to follow this. So I kind of have to, you know, trick myself into it and leave some flexibility. So, you know, particularly with lunch, I feel like people aim to pack lunch all five days of the week and you want to leave some flexibility. Maybe your office orders in, maybe your friend wants to go out and grab lunch on Friday, like leave yourself a little wiggle room so that you're not wasting food. Exactly. And, you know, I've had so many clients who have said, yeah, well, you know, I spent two hours, I prepped all my meals for the week, but gosh, I get so sick of eating the same thing or I hate leftovers. And so we go back to, well, then why would you prep that way? You know, you have to think about what you're actually going to want to enjoy. Otherwise you're just, it's like you've put yourself in a little prison to say, okay, everybody get up. We're having lunch now. Yeah, I think, you know, definitely different personality types there too. There are people who, you know, will kind of 
it's a rut, but like kind of a good rut. Like you'll be on your, your kick. You'll be on a kick of, you know, having a certain breakfast every day for a while or a certain lunch every day for a while. And I think, you know, it's just important to rotate from week to week or make sure your dinners are where you're getting the variety. Like you got to get the variety from somewhere. Otherwise it's just boring. (laughs) Absolutely. And I'll say, you know, when I was single and in college, I was the type every, every day was the same. I, because, you know, you're pinching pennies. And so I would just make a big vat of X, Y, or Z and have that for lunch. And dinners were almost always the same as well. And then when the family comes into play, you're going, okay, yeah, I want the variety in there. I don't want my kids getting sick or stuck on the same things. And then you kind of have to to modify a little bit, but you said it, you know, it's the personalities, it's figuring out what works for you. And as long as it's happening, you know, that's really the important thing. Yeah. So you mentioned Taco Tuesdays. Do you often incorporate theme days like that into your menu planning? Is it like pizza? We like to, you know, Fridays are pizza usually. Do you do anything like that? In a sense, we do. We have our kids do kids choice because they each have certain meals that are favorites for them. And so for my son, it's, it's my meatloaf, which I love, you know, and so we'll let them pick that meal. And so I think, you know, that's, that's helpful for kids and adults alike. If we have foods that we can look forward to and, you know, maybe a certain day of the week that the kids or the adult can say, Hey, yeah, this is going to be that pizza night, or this is going to be mom's meatloaf Monday or, or whatever that may be. We can get excited about what we're, what we're going to be having. Hey there. So before we get back to the rest of the episode, I just wanted to pop in real quick and tell you about a new workshop I've put together called PCOS Meal Prep Made Easy. If you're like most folks I hear from, you're confused and overwhelmed by all the conflicting info out there about what to actually eat with PCOS. And you may feel like you don't even know where to start. In this hour-long workshop, I break down what foods you want to include for PCOS and what you might want to consider avoiding or minimizing. And I share my simple three-step formula for planning meals with PCOS. The best part is it does not involve spending hours in the kitchen. Yes, you can absolutely incorporate this formula while cooking at home, but what's really great is that you can apply it no matter where you are in a restaurant, getting takeout, at a family meal, or even while traveling. Head over to thehormonedietitian.com forward slash easy PCOS, all one word, to sign up now. Signing up is your first step to finally understanding how to eat to manage PCOS. All right, cool. I'll see you there. Let's get back to the episode. Awesome. I love that idea that everyone gets involved. Yeah. And, you know, I think we can all play a part as well. If you do have a a partner or if you have kids, get them involved in the process. So it's not just on, you know, your shoulders or anyone's shoulders to have to do the planning, the preparation, the grocery shopping. If you are able to enlist others into that. I think that it makes everybody happier. It helps the process. And also, especially with children, you're more likely to get them on board for consuming the foods that you know are being prepared. Absolutely. So 
Shopping. Shopping's not my job, actually. I actually love grocery shopping or or pre-pandemic. I used to love grocery shopping. I was a retail RD for a couple of years. I loved it. I love being in the stores, seeing what's new, seeing what's in season. Like my produce guys, when I would come in, they'd be like, you're not going to believe what we have this week. And I'd be so excited to go, you know, check out the kiwi berries or the, you know, we would get, what are those? The fiddleheads ferns only out for a specific time. So they would be like super excited to share that with me. Lately, because because I'm prone to anxiety, grocery store panic attacks were, were becoming a regular thing. So my husband was just like, I'll take over. So he has taken over everything, which, you know, has some of its own challenges when I'm the one making the list. And he's the one shopping. So it's sometimes a lot of text messages. A lot of text messages. Sometimes I'll take pictures of things. Sometimes I'll leave the containers of things on like the counter. So he sees them before he goes shopping. But at a certain point, I had to uh, empower him because what would happen was I would send him to the store with maybe kale was on the list. And for whatever reason, the store wouldn't have kale. And so he'd come home with nothing as in response. Uh And so I had Mm -hmm. to empower him to make, you know, a reasonable substitution where, okay, if I have kale on the list and they don't have it, maybe buy chard or collards instead, you know, that sort of thing. It's resulted in some pretty amusing substitutions. Like... Like I sent him to the store for broccoli sprouts once and they didn't have broccoli sprouts and he bought soy sprouts. Did you know soy comes in sprouts? I did not until today. It was like a two pound bag of (laughs) soybean sprouts. And I was like, I made stir fry three times that week and we still didn't. But I was like, you know, like I, I gave him, you know, I had to empower him to make choices in the grocery store. So, you know. Yeah, that's actually such an important and often overlooked part of meal planning that we don't talk about. And, you know, because you may come up with your list and you may have a certain recipe in mind and then you get to the store and they are out of that ingredient, whether it's the protein or the veggie or whatever it may be. And being able to pivot and say, okay, well, I'm going to do a swap. So you still get that meal. You're getting a greater range, potential range of vitamins and minerals, and you may even like it better than the original. But I think that's such a great point that comes out of that too, is being flexible. Yeah, I think, you know, when I do shop myself, because I'll go, I'll go to the local co-op myself. I won't go to the the grocery store here. But when I shop, I tend to make a list like three green things, two fruits, one fish. So that then when I get there, I can see like what's on sale, what looks good, what's in season, you know, what's available. Maybe they don't have halibut, but they have some other local fish instead, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I personally, we just moved. And so navigating new grocery stores has kind of been a trip, you know, not having Trader Joe's close by is, you know, it's a little hard, but I'm, I'm adapting. And so, yeah, sometimes just seeing what different stores carry, what may be local to the area is often kind of a challenge. So yeah, I I think in, you know, getting to enjoy some of the seasonal as we're transitioning between seasons too, you have some of those favorites that come in. And so maybe you were going, oh, well, you know, I wasn't expecting to have this on the menu, but let's work it in because it's here. 
Yeah, I always talk about, you know, if I'm sitting on my couch making a grocery list, I'm going to add the things that are top of mind, like broccoli (laughs) and zucchini. But I'm almost never going to add something to the list like endive unless I'm buying it for a recipe. But if I'm in the store, you know, and I see, oh, look at that radicchio, that would be a great addition to this salad. I'm going to grab one of those, you know. Definitely. Yeah. And I think that keeps that excitement alive too, with, you know, just being adventurous and not feeling like you're in a rut of the same, you know, day to day, that single meal ongoing. Yeah. So when you're shopping, so I feel, you know, kind of mentioned this before, I feel like people tend to be pretty good about shopping for dinners, but there, there does tend to be a problem area for most people. I think Probably one of the most common ones that gets left out of the shopping conversation is snacks. You know, it's like, you know, you're going to get hungry. You know, you're (laughs) going to want a snack. Why don't you prepare ahead and buy healthy snacking foods like nuts and, you know, yogurts and things like that. Any ways to like go in and think about, you know, your whole day. Yeah. You know, I, again, it always comes back to, you got to be kind to yourself and you have to be realistic and think about what foods are you going to enjoy? I know personally, I lean team savory, team salty, 10 out of 10. And so if I'm buying yogurt or if I'm buying like fruit snacks or whatever it may be, I'm probably not going to be as satisfied if I'm eating those versus if I'm having nuts or popcorn or brined lupini beans, who knows, you know, and so you have to think about what's going to work best for you. And then always kind of creating that game plan. So of course, as dietitians, we're always thinking, make sure that you're having some sort of protein and or fat, and then, you know, to pair with some sort of like carb, whether that's in the form of your crunchy crackers or popcorn or fruits or veggies. And so I, I think you even said it best, you know, make sure that they have a buddy, you know, they're not lonely, no lonely carbs. And so then if you are more savory or sweet, think of it that way. So do you want to get pickles? Do you want to get olives? Do you want to get, you know, what, what types of pairings sound appealing to you? And then making sure that you have those on hand, I consider them staples. So just as you would always have, you know, frozen veggies in your freezer or cans of soup or beans or broth, make sure that you're also going and purchasing those staple snacks so that whether you're on the road or whether you're at home and you're about to hop onto a conference call, you have those accessible. Yeah, I always, I feel like it always blows my my clients' minds a little bit when I talk about you know, because we use the plate method, you know, a lot of the time we're talking about making most of your meals follow, you know, half your plate should be fruits and veggies, a quarter should be protein, a quarter should be carbs. And then you want to add the healthy fat to that. So if you want your plate to look like that, your cart has to look like that, you know? Very much so. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think one of the dirty little secrets is I'm I'm not in any way a meal prepper or meal planner. Like I said, I, I tend to rebel against anything. So I never know, you know, what I'm going to enjoy in the moment, what I'm going to feel like making. But the 
the key is making sure I can open my pantry and open my fridge and open my freezer and be able to pull out a protein, a fat, a fiber, a carb and assemble whatever I'm in the mood for in the moment. Yeah. And that's, it's so important. And I, everybody has a different method for it. Some, I know some folks have a piece of paper on a little clipboard and they'll keep it as like a pantry inventory. I'm not quite that organized, but there is a mental running tally of, okay, we've got frozen broccoli, or we've got, again, the cans of this or that in the pantry. And you want to make sure that you have those because yeah, let's say your dinner plans that you had with your girlfriend just, you know, went out the window, you want to make sure that when you come home, you can still put together something nourishing and, you know, satisfying in no time flat because you have those on hand. And yes, as you mentioned, sort of that plate method, having that balance in mind, you want to make sure that those staples do include veggies and make sure you got them in different forms. So frozen, canned, whatever forms you can get. I'm a big fan of the healthy convenience foods, you know, like uh, frozen pre-cooked rice is a staple for us. Any sort of those grains, you know, just to have those on hand so that you're not scrambling last minute. Yeah. I love that idea. Well, we're, we're also not close to a Trader Joe's. We're about an hour and a half from a Trader Joe's now, which has been very sad. So my grocery doesn't have frozen rice, but they do have, and they're not a bad substitution is those ones in the little plastic cups that are cooked. Yes. So I'll get those. I'll just take them out of the plastic to microwave them. But definitely like things like lentil soup in a can has saved me on so many colds. It's lunchtime, it's cold and I'm hungry. Well, here you can have lentil soup in one minute. <laughs> so. Absolutely. I, I eat salads because they come in pre-washed bags. <laughs> you know, I mean, if I'm being honest, if, if I'm looking at heads of romaine, probably going to stay in the back of the fridge until they're slime, like honestly, but if it's pre-washed, I'm willing to spend a little bit more out of pocket because I know, yeah, I'll have a salad every day if it's ready for me to go. Yeah. I think we sometimes overestimate our energy for stuff like that especially during the week, you know, and we don't want to waste food. I feel a little better now if we do have romaine that my husband bought that goes bad at the back of the fridge or starts to get soggy, I'll put it out for the bunny. So oh, that's the perfect, yeah. Our yard bunny eats so gourmet here. <laughs> well, and you know, that's such a good point too, though, is like what produce you're buying. If you are buying the fresh fruits and vegetables, you know, make sure that those heartier options are consumed later in the week where, you know, your raspberries and your, I don't know, butter lettuce is going to be had on Monday or Tuesday. Cause you know, those aren't going to last as long because nobody wants to waste money that way, you know, and, and if we don't get to it as early as we want, or if we don't have the energy to chop it up, you know, at least it has a better chance if we consume those earlier on. Yes. Literally you need to be eating those organic raspberries in the car on the way home from the grocery store. They will be black by the time you get them in your kitchen. (laughs) Every time. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I actually bought raspberries pretty recently at the farmer's market and they went into a bag with some cherry tomatoes and they got so mushed by the time they got home, but they were, they're in a separate little bag. And I was like, they're still fine for a smoothie. So 
I kept him for like a day. It's like they're with the most beautiful little fruit and so delicate, but yeah, it's, it's day one or day none. <laughs> yeah. So talking about some of the convenience foods, you know, there, are, again, I feel like this is an area where things have gotten much better. It used to be like, you know, produce, the whole, that whole advice of like shop the outer perimeter of the yeah. store. Yeah, I feel that's so outdated yeah. because that's when it used to be fresh foods were on the outside, processed foods were on the inside. There've been a lot of, you know, good developments in the processed food world. I think for me, it comes down to actually taking the time to read the ingredients and make sure that it's something that I would actually eat. Are there some sort of go-to convenience or processed foods that, you know, are always things that you're picking up? Yeah. Well, like you said, the lentil soups are big. I love keeping bone broth on hand because it Mm. does have a little more protein to it. So if nothing else, if it's not had straight up, I can add it as a base to grains or to soups. Of course, you know, my love for the bagged lettuce or, or salad kits. And I, I don't know if, if this is really on the convenience food side per se, but pre-made sauces, I feel like a sauce can really amplify a dish and make it more exciting. And so, whereas I, I do like to make my own, having a variety of sauces just to jazz up, you know, a protein really fast can, can make a big difference. There's some uh, really great like potato products. Like I love the Alexia brand mm-hmm. and they've got tots and fries and whatnot. And not having to wash and, you know, slice up potatoes is a game changer. So those, those are definitely the regulars over here. Yeah, definitely. We finally broke down and got an air fryer, you know, cause I wanted to make sure to get a non-Teflon brand. And I think it was last year for Amazon day, we finally, prime day, we finally got one. And it's great. You like literally dump those little Alexia potatoes in there and walk away. And 15 minutes later, you've got a side. That's pure beauty. I need, I need to, I need to get in with the cool kids and get the air fryer. (laughs) Yeah. If you do ever make it, because we do still try to go to Trader Joe's every so often and like stock up with the cooler and bring it back. The cauliflower gnocchi is is really good in there fryer too. Oh my gosh. Well, and you turned me on to their shrimp burgers, which I should have mm-hmm. mentioned in that lineup because those are amazing for quick dinner options. Yes. I'm a huge fan of fish burgers for quick meals. Definitely Trader Joe's. They have all of them. They have tuna, salmon, mahi-mahi, shrimp. Now we've been doing butcher box for the last, I guess, six months or so. And they have a salmon burger package that you can order. So I will do that for myself for a quick lunch as well. Yeah, I, I have to say really, you know, I feel like, of course, you do have to pay a little more upfront, but then you have, when we're talking about those freezer staples, like just to have, and it doesn't have to be butcher box, just having a variety of proteins so that, you know, if you're not feeling your, I don't know, drumsticks tonight, you know, you, you have another protein that you can, you can get out on the table. Ooh, I know you and I share a common convenience food for when you forget, or you don't have time to defrost a protein. You're going to talk about your salmon patties. Oh, the salmon patties. I, (laughs) I love those guys. You know, they, what I love about those are that they're so customizable. You know, I tend to use bell peppers and everything and some people make fun of me for it, but you know, if you don't have bell peppers, you can use zucchini, you can mix and match, you can throw corn, you can throw tomatoes, whatever veggie you have on hand. And they always turn out great. 
you know, and you can just slap them together with a few simple ingredients and they freeze well, you know, you can just pop them in. And if you have the air fryer or a toaster or oven just to reheat them and, and they're good to go. And you can even dress them up. You can turn them into a burger. I, I could talk about salmon patties for days. They're, they're just wonderful. I know I'm kind of stuck on my, my general combo is I'll do scout chopped scallions, some garlic and ginger, if I have it, some teriyaki sauce, you know, some good teriyaki sauce is something I always have on hand. But yeah, I mean, you saw my jaw drop there. That combination sounds exquisite. Yes, they're perfect. And they're, you know, come together in less than five minutes, which is great. Yeah. And, you know, too, I think sometimes canned, well, gosh, canned fish of any kind tends to sometimes get a bad rap, but I love it. And it, and it often is a little more affordable than fresh. And really when it comes down to something like salmon patties, you don't notice a difference, you know, it's still, still a wonderful option. Yeah. We, we were hitting those hard in 2020. <laughs> it's just such a, I think yeah. I had ordered, I ordered like a giant case of canned salmon. Cause I thought, you know, I didn't know what, what, no, you, who knew, <laughs> you know, it's like, what type of apocalypse are we having? I don't know. Like, you know, I don't know how to prep for this. So I ordered like all of the canned beans and all of the canned fish. And yeah, we were working through that store for quite, quite some time. Yeah. If I remember correctly, uh, Stephen, who usually is Mr. Down for anything, was like, I think I need a little break from canned salmon. Well, <laughs> you know, you just hit your limit. So I was actually, it was a good place for me because that was right after I was diagnosed with my autoimmune. So I was doing a low FODMAP elimination and really just eating very differently at that time. So it, it kind of worked well. <laughs> yeah. Low FODMAP is, is tough, but it really is. It's so good for, you know, identifying those triggers. So Yep. Yes. My, my husband's ulcerative colitis, like we are confident, you know, what, what the triggers are and how, how far he can push them, you know? Yes. And you really, you do. And I was, I was talking to my husband yesterday, you know, you kind of dance with the devil for a little bit. You're like, I, I can do so many and you know, you know, you know where you hit your limit and you just have to make that choice whether you're <laughs> going to put yourself over the edge. Yeah. So, you know, and that, opposite end of convenience foods, I feel like there are some foods that are so ridiculously easy to make at home that we might be surprised people actually buy them processed. Do you have any foods like that on your list where you're like, I always make this at home. It's faster, easier, cheaper. Yeah. So, and this is not to knock the products themselves. I still buy them myself, but nut butters and protein bars are the two where every time I make them at home, I go, why do I buy them? Nut butters are so easy. I mean, you, you can do single ingredient. If you want to make cashew butter, just throw the roasted cashews in the blender, you know, or food processor hit go. And in minutes, you know, you have your nut butter and you know me, I love to throw freeze dried fruit. You can throw a little espresso powder in there. You can mix and match flavors to make them exciting. And when it comes to protein bars, the cost alone just makes me shudder. 
So I like to make, I started because I, my little one really liked perfect bars and I just couldn't justify buying them because with kids, you don't know if they're going to eat one bite or the whole thing. And so we started making our own perfect bars at home and, you know, it's a big cost savings. And again, they're customizable and, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't judge anybody. I mean, we still buy peanut butter. We still buy protein bars, but I do like making them at home when possible because it's easy. It doesn't take a lot of time. Yeah, I really have to get over that intimidation of making nut butter. So you do it in a blender or the food processor? It's actually, I had misspoke. So it's actually a food processor. It's our Cuisinart that we've had for about 15 years. And it, it gets the job done, you know? The hard thing is, you know, when you're making nut butters, they go through a process and they really make you question, you know, life choices. And so it starts out and it's very clunky and choppy, you know, big pieces of nuts. And you're going, this is never going to work. I just wasted $8 of cashews for nothing. And then you see the transformation happen. And, you know, just when you're giving up hope and you're about to throw it out the window, it, it starts getting creamy and wonderful and delicious. Yeah. I think that like suspension of disbelief part is the part (laughs) that I'm like, like, is this actually like, I just have to get over it and do it for myself so that I, then I believe that that actually happens and it's not like a magic of video. (laughs) Yeah. I should, I should do it at realistic video so that you can see, because I, I've been making nut butters for years and I still, every single time I go, this isn't going to work this is not going to work this time. And then without fail, you know, it happens. I one time made a terrible choice. I thought, you know what, I need to add a little oil to this to help it along. And so I added, you know, a few tablespoons of like coconut oil or something. And it was pure soup by the time that everything finished. So I just tell myself, trust the process. It's all going to get there eventually. Yeah. Sometimes we take those shortcuts or we make those additions that we think are good ideas. Like there's a coconut oil that is liquid, that they sell it on the shelf. It's liquid. Yes. There's one brand in particular. And so it's great if you want to add a little bit of like coconut flavor to a smoothie or, you know, even cooking, like you'll just throw it in for the flavor. But I was making a dessert recipe that called for melted coconut oil. And I was like, Oh, smart me. I'm going to use the liquid coconut oil because it's already melted. Sure, yeah. Not thinking about the fact that the recipe like coming together and being solid was dependent on that coconut oil's ability to become solid at room temperature. And so it just, you know, it was like, goo. I'm not a very good dessert maker. I admit it. Oh, and well, when you talk about rules, like, yeah, baking is not my forte for that reason alone. I'm like, no, I need to do my pinches of this, my, you know, a little pinch here, a little pinch there. Baking, if it turns out, it's pure luck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, baking disaster. I've had a lot of baking disasters and the dessert recipes that I do make on a semi-regular basis are ones that are very forgiving. Things like berry crumbles, you know, like just put the crumble on top. Like I can usually handle that. Yes. Or if it's supposed to have a very, you know, rugged look, you know, very, um, yeah, the, the delicate stuff is not, not quite for me either, or like a no bake, you know, so you don't have to worry about watching it rise to a certain amount. 
Yeah. 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 Baking's different than cooking, but cooking is can be fun and flexible. So what are some of your like go-to breakfast ideas? Ooh, so again, I tend to lean more savory. So I love having, if I want to do some sort of prep, I love doing like a frittata or egg cups. For some reason, I have really been on a cream of rice kick. So I will pump that up with some, you know, collagen or or protein powder and flax seeds and, you know, make it a little more balanced to satisfy longer. I love eggs. And so those are, are typically in some form or fashion, whether it is the egg cups or frittata or eggs with toast and fruit. For a long time, I was doing like baked oatmeal, a variety of baked oatmeal, especially in the cooler months. I like to have those. Again, just making sure I have eggs or nut butters or something to to pump up the protein a little bit on those. Because I think sometimes people go, yay, oatmeal, I love it. And then, you know, an hour later, you're, you know, just dragging and have want to go back to bed. Yeah, that's me. Exactly. So, and then... Recently found some frozen passion fruit and dragon fruit at the local grocery store. So stocked up on that and have been enjoying smoothies again lately. Yes, I am a huge smoothie fan myself. It's not a smoothie. It's a veggie and egg scramble, both both of which are approximately five minutes to make. Yes. <laughs> yes. Cleanup is usually longer than the actual, you know, prepping and and all that. <laughs> so what about lunch? I know a lot of people with lunch tend to eat dinner leftovers. So do you use like a planned leftovers strategy or are you making a totally different lunch from dinner? So for lunches, so I do work from home. My husband goes for work. The kids are now both in school. And so For me, I tend to be the little vacuum in the house. So I love to do the leftovers if they're here. Something that we often do is we'll get a rotisserie chicken and I will shred the whole Mm -hmm. thing down. And then every day of the week, I have chicken, but I can do a variety of different things. So, you know, maybe... I'm going to do, you know, buffalo chicken wrap on Monday. And then Tuesday, I'm going to throw it in with grapes and apples and you make a little Waldorf sort of situation. And I really like having that protein ready to go because I'm often so busy working that when it comes to lunchtime, I'm like, oh boy, I have to do this. So the rotisserie chicken, I do can tuna a whole bunch. And I really like doing wraps or bowls where you can just dump everything inside and then and go from there. Yeah, I've recently, I don't know why it took me so long to figure this out, but I've recently started storing two cans of tuna in the fridge so that when I want quick lunch, it's cold and not warm canned tuna, which warm, warm tuna. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually a really smart idea. I, I have not done that, but I mean, it makes sense, especially if you know, you have it on a regular basis, might as well put it in there. Yeah. Like once a week during the summer, I will do canned tuna. Well, first of all, I'll put like whatever greens we have. So whether that's arugula or whatever, and then I'll take canned tuna, a little bit of mayo, like a you know, quarter to a half of an avocado. If we have a ripe one, mash that all together, mix in some chickpeas and some pickles. 
And that is like, that, I don't know, at least once a week, I've been having that for summer, the last couple of summers. That must be a, you're, you're speaking to me right now because pickles have been salty, salty. Yes. Well, and I'm not used to humidity in any form. And so I've been sweating so much that I've been going through jars of pickles. And so when you were describing that lunch, I'm like, yep, that's what I want. Oh uh, yeah. Welcome <laughs> to the East coast. <laughs> it went from 5% humidity to 90%. <laughs> yeah. It was literally 95% humidity for the other day. It's just, it's yeah, it's good for your skin. Just keep telling yourself that it's so good for your I'm skin. Really- my cost on, you know, lotion, whether it's face lotion, body lotion has gone down significantly. <laughs> I'm, I'm all about that. <laughs> and then dinners, like, you know, those are your general, we have to feel like, like we talked about dinners or generally planning those mostly ahead. But what are some, some of your go-to meals for dinner? Yeah. So we, these are the ones that we plan as a family. And so we do have the kids choice. It's oftentimes meatloaf. My daughter really loves lasagna. We often will do, Stephen loves to take care of the protein. So he's either grilling or, you know, roasting some sort of, you know, fish or steak or something like that. We almost always do roasted veggies or marinated cucumbers or a side salad. And then, you know, make the side a little more fun since the proteins and the veggies are pretty standard. As I mentioned earlier, we do a little bit more of that component meal. So you've got your protein, veggie and side versus like a big casserole, something like that. But the other night we did a chili mac and we always schedule a couple nights for what we call scrounge. Mm -hmm. So everybody fends for themselves. So if you want to do breakfast for dinner, if you want to do leftovers, you know, we can all call dibs on different items. And it also takes the stress off of having to have like a set plan. But the plus side is that it helps clear out the fridge for the next time we go grocery shopping. Yeah, I think something a lot of people who are not social media creators or or blog food bloggers don't realize is the the sheer amount of food that most of us have in our houses at any given time. You know, we get sent free things, we're cooking things. Just I was giving food away when I was making the cookbook. You know, I was like feeding my dad lunches for <laughs> like come get your lunches for the week. Yeah, because it was just so, so much food. What about to, and I, I love the idea of grilling. I send him out to grill and I make the sides and it's a nice little division of labor. Who does the dishes in your house? Ooh, you know, we we don't make it a big deal like, well, I cooked, so you have to do dishes, this or that. We tend to alternate. So I hate drying dishes with a fiery passion. So we, we are fortunate to have a dishwasher, but the items that don't go in the dishwasher, Stephen will usually dry. So I often volunteer. I've got dishes if you'll dry. And that, that method works pretty well for us. But you know, if, if Stephen prepped the entire dinner himself, I'm willing to, to step up and take care of that. But it's, it's pretty well balanced, I'd say. But uh, yeah, the drying is... I don't know why it's really not a big deal, but the drying really gets to me. Yeah. I don't, I don't do dishes. (laughs) I don't, I don't grocery shop and I don't do dishes. I do the planning and the cooking and it's like, okay, that works, works for us. (laughs) I love that. I love it. And 
I, I have pitched that idea. Steven really, he loves cooking and he loves grocery shopping too. And, and so when we, when it was just the two of us, we loved the whole process together and we could each, you know, we would alternate who would cook now with kids. It's a little more challenging, especially when we have to take them shopping with us. So what used to be really enjoyable is now get in, get out as fast as you can before, before a meltdown, but it works out. It works out. Yeah. So you also mentioned, you know, I have a lot of uh, single clients and single lady listeners. I used to call them my single girl suppers. I love that. Because I was, I was largely single for a long time in New York City and just living by myself. And so for me, a single girl supper is kind of the similar strategy to what I do for breakfast and lunch, which is just kind of combine a bunch of things. It's like, It's not necessarily a recipe or a meal. It's more assembling ingredients. So I would do like the frozen rice with like black beans and salsa and guacamole and like call that a meal. Got everything on it. So it's fine. Balance. It's good. We're good to go. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any tips around cooking for one or strategies around cooking and shopping for one? Yeah. And actually it it does hit home, not only having of course been single, but also I worked, my first dietitian job was working with our active aging population. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, we had 70, 80 year old folks who were by themselves and they're always going, well, I don't want to batch cook. I don't want to make a big casserole. And so I did recommend a lot more of either, either the, you know, convenience foods like the pre-cooked grains or single serve, or if they were open to the batch cooking, can you freeze half of it? So if you are making a casserole or a stew or this or that, can you freeze half? And then you'll only be responsible for a couple servings during the week because you enjoy eating those leftovers. And then another month goes down the road, then you can pull that out and enjoy it again for a couple more days. I always like to go back to getting a little more creative with sauces and seasonings, because if you are single and you buy a rotisserie chicken, that's quite a bit of chicken to have to tackle by yourself. So if you're eating it on a salad every day, you're going to hate chicken by the end of the week. So if you have a different sauce or seasoning that you can throw on, uh, you know, make a stir fry one night, make that buffalo chicken another night, you you can mix and match. And it's not just chicken. It can be, you know, if you grill up steak and if you have your canned tuna, you can make it more exciting by just adding some different flavors to it. So yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for pre, you know, those convenience foods or freezing some batch cooked items. So you're not feeling like, okay, I have 20 more servings to go. I'll get through this next month. Yeah. You brought up sauces. And I think, you know, that's another common mistake I see people make, especially when they're trying to eat, you know, quote unquote healthy. It's like, they'll be having the plain chicken, plain broccoli and the plain bright brown rice. And it's just like, okay, you're going to be so bored with your food by like Wednesday. But sauces are, you do a really great job with sauces. Actually, the other day you posted that when you have that creamy tahini sauce. That's my favorite. uh, (laughs) I just want to like, yeah, bathe in it. It looks so delicious. But like sauces are, you know, I think can be intimidating as well. You know, we're not telling anyone to make, what's the sauce you make with the eggs that can break? Like the hollandaise. Hollandaise. Yes. Yeah. Not, not like that, but like you can put some peanut butter and some soy sauce and some garlic into a little blender and uh, 
make yourself a sauce. Oh yeah, it is. And it is. I remember being intimidated because I have always been, for some reason, I was born a saucy, saucy girl. And so I've always loved sauces. But when it came to creating sauces, I felt like I hit this roadblock of like, where do I get started? So it just kind of came about, about dumping things together to get creative, but also buying sauces and then getting ideas from that. And so if I really, Mm -hmm. I, I love any sort of like teriyaki or savory, you know, like soy base. Those are my thing. And so what I would do is I would buy those and be like, Ooh, okay. I really like sauces that have that toasted sesame, or I love ginger, or, you know, I love a kick from, you know, X, Y, or Z. And then that would help kind of spur some more ideas for making homemade sauces. So, you know, whether you make them or you buy them at the store or something else that Trader Joe's does really well is they have a variety of seasonings. And I've been known to mix their umami seasoning with a little bit of butter and put that with noodles, you know, and it just transforms a dish when you have these simple seasonings on hand and you you get excited about eating those foods. Yeah, I love their, uh, is it the citrus garlic? On vegetables, that's that's definitely a standby for me. And I know you're as obsessed with the summer sauce as I am right now. I'm making a batch of chimichurri like once a week at this point because it's so good on steak or anything. Just give me a spoon for chimichurri. (laughs) That's a sauce. And I'm telling you, you you could put it on anything. Like you said, you know, steak or veggies or anything and it goes well. Yeah, so good. And just for the record, I have a tiny little, the little mini Cuisinart. I use that way more than I use the big one just because it's so much easier to clean. It doesn't feel like it's a big deal, like taking it out with all the pieces because it's just a little thing, which is perfect for two people. And that's perfect for sauces too. And that's such a great point because when you have herbs, fresh herbs, you know, you start off with these giant bunches and then it blends down to a few dollops. <laughs> so having a little food processor is a game changer for that. Cause you know, you're not having to clean up 50 gadgets. Yeah. Do you have any favorite gadgets in the kitchen? Ooh, I would say that the food processor definitely gets the most use because I use it for so many different things from the nut butters to the sauces and even just, you know, chopping vegetables up a little bit. I tend to use the blender a whole lot. And then other than that, though, I'm really, I guess, a minimalist when it comes to kitchen gadgets. I don't have any of the quick cooking things. I love just the basic oven. I love a cast iron skillet. And it really goes back to sort of my philosophy when it comes to cooking is I want to, I want anybody to be able to approach the recipes and just say, I don't have to get fancy. I don't have to have a fortune in the bank account to be able to create a healthy, delicious, nourishing meal. So maybe one day I'll upgrade, but my, my kitchen, I think people might be surprised is it's pretty basic. <laughs> Yeah, I actually, I was laughing because the other day you were posting, were you in your basement with the blender during nap time? I was out on the the sunroof. I saw the concrete and the brick and I was like, is she in the basement? (laughs) Since I launched Comstant Kitchen, I've always had at least one child at home with me while I've worked. So it you're working around nap schedules and everything. You have to get work done. So I often would go outside, plug it into the side of the house and blend when needed. 
because you have to make it happen. You know, you do what you got to do. And hey, you get the source of the great light right there. Like you can't beat it. You can't beat it. So I always like to wrap up with one thing you would like people to take away from this episode. Oh, wow. One thing I think, I think it really goes back to the simplicity of what healthy eating can be in today's society. We're bombarded with trends, with do's and do nots, with the latest supplements. And I think we've really lost sight of what a balanced plate really is, you know, making sure that our carbs aren't lonely and that we are getting good quality protein sources in, and we are eating some fruits and vegetables during the day. And if we can just get back to that, then we can experiment with adding some of those extras on, but really just getting back to the basics and accepting the fact that we're still getting nourishing, you know, nutrients in without having to, go with the excess. So I think that would be it for me. Yeah. I think one thing that, that people don't realize is when you're using in season produce, that's fresh and like, it really doesn't need a lot to make it taste good. I mean, we, we were having fresh peaches and heirloom tomato the other day. And my husband was like, this is amazing. I'm like, I barely did anything to it. (laughs) Just slice it up, maybe a little salt on those tomatoes. And it's like, it's incredible. I think because of the fact that the majority of our diets tend to be comprised of those highly processed foods. And again, not to bash on processed foods, because I think they do have a place, but we forget how good some basic, you know, some fruits and vegetables can be, or some very simple, you know, bread with butter, whatever that may be, how amazing that can taste when we allow ourselves to go there. Oh, see, I'm like you, I don't really have a sweet tooth, but bread with butter, like a good, good bread with butter is like, yeah, just leave me alone with the stick. I'll be fine. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Maybe I'll, I'll pop into the olive bar and grab a tub of that as well. (laughs) And happy for life, set for life. Mm -hmm. So tell the audience where they can find you, your website, social media. Yeah. So you can find us online at Comston Kitchen. Those are our handles across all of the apps that, that you could think of. And we are at comstonkitchen.com. Great. And Elise also has a one pot wonders. Is it a recipe guide or? Yes. It's, I think there's some little tips in the front and then the rest are recipes and you can mix and match. I always say recipes, you know, don't feel, you know, stopped by a recipe because it contains an ingredient that maybe you can't have or that you're trying to avoid. And so all the recipes are really friendly for swapping things in and out to make it uh, work for you. Sounds perfect. So I will be posting, Elise has graciously offered that for free to my listeners. So I will be posting the link in the show notes so you can grab that as well. Thank you so much, Elise, for coming and chatting with us all about cooking. I'm so glad we were able to coordinate this because everybody cooks, right? We all do. And if nothing else, we all eat and we all need to make food happen. (laughs) But I thank you so much for inviting me. And it's just such a joy to to chat with you in person, as as in person as we can be. (laughs) Thank you. And thank you to our audience for listening. We will be back next week. 
That's it for this week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Hormonally Yours with the Hormone Dietitian. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you could open up the podcast app you're probably using to listen to this episode right now and leave a quick rating or review. Your reviews help this podcast get seen by more women who could benefit from the information I share here. Stay tuned for our next episode. And in the meantime, stay balanced. Stay balanced.